Hey guys, welcome to the Dads Group Podcast. My name is Blair and in this space, we aim to build up dads to better support our families. This is the last episode of season two and man, what a season it has been. I mean, I feel so incredibly encouraged and built up and I know you guys have too. I want to start this episode by just saying thank you guys. Thank you so much for your support. You know, we would not exist without you. Um, There has been so many dads around Australia, so many families around Australia that have been impacted by your support. So thank you so much uh, for that. You know, if you want to join in on this support, please go to our Dads Group um, website at dadsgroup.org. You can click the uh, donate button at the top there, um, which is so all finances are going to be going towards helping uh, start new groups around Australia. And we, we, our aim is to get a dad's group in every town around Australia. The support that you guys have had, that I've had, we want to bring everywhere. Um, and we want to build up our leaders better as well. That's a, a big goal for us in 2023. We want to bring mental health first aid training to all of our leaders. So all of our leaders are volunteers. They're just absolute legends and champions. And you're going to be hearing more from them in season three. Uh, but yeah, we want to invest in them, build them up to help navigate through those uh, difficult situations, difficult conversations that they have with some of the guys, some of the dads that come along to their groups. And there are so many hurting families, so many hurting dads, uh, struggling dads out there, and we want to support them better. So if you want to join in on that, please go to our website. I would love your support. But if that's not an option for you, liking, sharing, and subscribing goes a huge way. It really, really does. And we want to thank you for those that have done those things man we've just been incredibly encouraged by your support and it's season two man uh we are so pumped for season three we're gonna have a good break we're gonna we've got a lot of planning ahead of us we've got a lot of conversations coming up which we're excited to bring your way for next year but for our final episode for season two, I'm going to be chatting with Dad Group legend, Dad Group leader, um, Alex Dugdale, who's a leader down in um, Bayside in Melbourne. Man, Alex just shares with us the importance of routine in his fatherhood journey. It was really encouraging. I actually took a lot away from it. Um, I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. It's very practical and a great way to finish season two. See you guys in season three. Welcome, Alex, to the Dad's Group podcast, mate. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going good. Thanks for having me, Blair. I've been seeing absolutely. these come out. I've been waiting to get the tap on the shoulder to come and have a chat with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. You're definitely on the list for a while. Hey, mate, I just want to do a quick bio for you. So you are currently a Dad's Group leader of Dads of Bayside. Yep. That's correct. You yep. were a part of Dads of South Yarra. Did you start up South Yarra? Uh, I didn't start it, but um, it's, it was still a small group, um, sort of yep. broadly dads of Stonington. Um, you know, you've got the Melbourne East guys there, but also South yep. Yarra. And um, yep. I came along South Yarra. There was already, you know, there's people in the group, but it's sort of, it's a very transitional neighbourhood. So yeah. people come and go really fast. So it was a bit hard, but uh, yeah, it's a good little group. Attraction. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And so you've moved to Bayside, so you started up Dads of Bayside there. Uh, and you've also been a part of um, you you and Tom F., who's another Dads Group guy, um, did a session together uh, at that, uh, for City of Monash employees. Yeah. Um, with About 50, 60 dads were in that session. Yeah, about right? that. Yeah, 50 dads. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and I think like, I just wanted to say these things because I think when we talk about the work of dad's group, you know, we're really highlighting the work that people like yourself are doing, Alex, you know, mm-hmm. you've been a part of two groups, you're going out and you're speaking and doing these sessions for 60 plus dads in, in a council. And I think that's just something to really celebrate and acknowledge um, because it's amazing. It's amazing efforts, mate. And can you, so I just wanted to start there really quickly. Um, can you just share a little bit more about your time at City of Monash, um, your session there? What were you kind of talking about and what were the sort of, what was the vibe of the actual event? Yeah, it was um, It was an interesting, it was a unique event. It was six o'clock in the morning, standing there in my high vis um, with it. everyone <laughs> as well with the City of Monash. It was their outdoor working cohort. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really, it, it was, it was a great session. It was really just an introduction to dad's group, what we do, yeah. what I do. Uh, and our goals were really just to get people talking. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, the stats for dads. I mean, it just, just getting people to just getting men to share what they're thinking yeah. and feeling is such a huge step. So really that was our goal, Tom and I. So um instead of going there and preaching to them for or preaching at them for an hour or so. Um, oh, by the way, they, they were also bribed in with bacon and egg rolls. You know, classic yeah. for a breakfast. Yeah, winner. It's a winner. Yeah, oh, they, were, they were really good too. They're really good. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, the, uh, so instead of instead of just having like a seminar and just preaching at them, we thought, well, how could we do this a little bit more engaging way? You know, it's 6 a.m. Everyone's just waking up. They've come in a little bit early for work. Um how do we make it a bit more engaging? So instead of just um, speaking, we, we, we just did some simple breakouts and just asked some questions, you know, what are some, what are your dad wins? Um, celebrate that. Um, and what's on your mind um, was the second question. So, you know, they had the same group. We broke them out again and said, you know, you've, you've shared your wins, shared all, you know, celebrated that, which is such a critical part of dad's group. But mm-hmm. now, um, not necessarily what are your challenges, but what's on your mind? And that can be, that, that's a good broad question. You know, it can be challenges. It can just be something that's just you're thinking about maybe coming up in the future, or it could be something that's really keeping you up at night, whatever you're willing to share, but just to break that ice and just to start flexing that muscle uh, to get them to share. And yeah. I wasn't really sure how it would go. You know, it was, it was um, the, first time that this group had been hearing from this kinds of thing. Um, and, uh, it was a, my first time presenting to, to that group. So I wasn't really sure, but they just jumped straight in and they were sharing some the most amazing stories uh, and being really open and vulnerable in a group of 50 or 60 people. That's hard. Like just in general, sharing with anyone is hard, yeah. um, mm-hmm. that, but they were happy to put their hand up and, um, it obviously resonated because Monash got on the phone with us the next day and said they've specifically asked for you guys to come back and and, and help them set up on an ongoing basis. So it was it was it was really moving um, and it was really special and it, and it was really great to be able to resonate with this group. Man, that's just so encouraging to hear because yeah, I was going to ask you like how how what the response was like from um, those sessions because I think you know obviously we was very well known that guys struggle to share and they struggle to be vulnerable and so that's so encouraging. I just wanted to take that time to acknowledge the work that you guys are doing 
because it's so important, you know, it is so important for, because the big thing that we do in dad's group is focus on the dad so the dads can better support the families. Um, for a lot of times, where do dads go to for help and support? We don't, like a lot of dads don't know. So you going into that space, creating that environment is just so, so encouraging. So I just want to say thank you and, and well done um, for that. Um, but I've jumped the gun a bit here. So I'm going to go yeah. back to where we were going. Um, and just start off, as we always do, how are you out of 10 today, mate? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling 10 out of 10. I've been awesome. since the start. It's, uh, you know, Good. things, um, you get challenges every now and again. Like I'm, I'm, my wife's traveling for work at the moment, so I'm, I'm on my own with my daughter, which I love. Um, and uh, she, you know, she had a little vom in bed last night, so that was, that was good fun. But otherwise, no, it's just yeah. totally good and bad. But um, I'm feeling really great. It's, uh, I love my little girl. She's she's two, and yeah. um, she's happy. She's chatty. She sings and dances, and we have a great time. So I'm loving it. Absolutely, that's awesome. So when you're not at a ten, so say you were a six or a five today, mm. do you have certain things that you put in place to help you? Uh, either get through that season or get you know back to a ten. Yeah, I mean, I guess on the perspective, because in terms of fatherhood and being a dad, I, I've always just loved it. And my my approach has always been, well, I know that being a parent is hard, and just because mm-hmm. I'm feeling a ten doesn't mean things aren't hard. It, mm-hmm. There are challenges. But I guess it's just a state of mind saying, well, I know that this will pass. We've been very fortunate. We haven't had any significant health issues. We haven't had any of those irreversible challenges. The challenges have just been the typical, or is she going to eat today? Or is she going to be yeah. fussy? Does she want to put her clothes on? You know, those kinds of stuff. We haven't had anything, any emergencies. We haven't had anything dramatic. So mm-hmm. that's obviously, very, there are very real physical challenges. Um, so that aside, the challenges, you know, when you're feeling tired or when you haven't slept or if work's on your mind or, you know, the other things are there, um, it's the, the reason I'm saying I'm a 10 is, is yeah, just that, that mindset. And so when I am feeling a little bit down, I look up, I take stock, I feel, I think about the gratitude that I have for my, my daughter and my, my wife and, and how lucky I am to have these two women in my life that love and adore me. And, and that I'm able to love and adore them. And that sort of puts it all in perspective. I know that there are bigger challenges in the world than my daughter not sleeping or um, not eating. So if I am feeling a little bit down, I just try to put things into perspective and appreciate what I've got. Absolutely. And so you shared with us your dad's stats. So your dad, uh, family of three, you know, yep. partner, daughter. Three and a half. Another one. Three and a half. That's right. Congratulations, yeah. man. So, yeah. I forgot about that. How are you yeah, guys going? Mate, How April. are you feeling? Uh, I'm not sure that it's fully sunk in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It was one of those things where we've been thinking, we, we kind of were thinking we will just be a one child family. And then we started thinking, oh, well, if we have a second, we want about a two, two or three year gap. We think that's based on just gut feel. We think that's a good, good gap. And then, you know, Amelia's just turned two and we've been, you know, a few months ago we started talking about it and we, we're thinking, yeah, you know what, maybe we do. I think let's let's start trying. And then two days after we made that decision, we found out that my wife was two months pregnant. So that was uh, the decision That's had already been made. But yeah. we, uh, we're excited, we're happy, and um, 
but because it took us 12 months to fall pregnant with my, our first one, we thought, you know, from that decision point, we had a bit of time, you know, to think about <laughs> it, mentally prepare, but no, we've, we've now got four months or something. And, and that's why I say, I'm, I'm not sure it's fully landed, but you know, we're excited. So if he's growing, um, I can't wait to, for Amelia to have a little, a little brother or sister. We're keeping the gender a mystery, a surprise again, which we did for her as well. So um, yeah, we're just um, going through it, reading books about how to introduce a baby to a toddler. Um, mm -hmm. And it was funny. We had, we've got this great book called your baby and child. It's been out for generations and um, we were reading about that. And, you know, there's that classic line where you say, you know, if the child says, well, why did you, Want to, why, why do you want another baby? And your natural thing, thinking is to say, oh, well, we just love you so much that we, we want to have another one. And the analogy this book gives us is imagine, think about this, but saying, but instead of talking to your child, you're talking to your wife and you mm -hmm. say, honey, I love you so much. I love having a wife so much. I'm getting another one. And it just, it was a funny way to put it into perspective saying we are the center of this person's world. And you're saying that you're going to share your love and affection with someone else. Like they don't want that. That's not a benefit. So how do you address it in a different way? So we've been thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I, I had a little giggle there when you're talking about um, it took you 12 months to get pregnant with your first. Mm. And then you're like, your expectations were going to be similar. That's how <laughs> I ended up with three kids in three years. Like <laughs> yeah. exact same scenario. Three, three years. Yeah, three yeah. three years. So we were the same. We took us over a year to get pregnant with the first. Yeah. And then, you know, we're like decided, all right, well, let's start a little bit earlier this time because it's going to take us so long again. And then mm. like, you know, a couple of days later, we're pregnant. And we're like, that was a fluke. That won't happen again. A couple mm. of days later, <laughs> pregnant. Yeah. So yeah, we had three in three years, which is amazing and terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> but now tell me more about that, mate. So yeah, tell me about your experiences of that 12 month period um, of trying for for a baby what was that like for you yeah that was um oh, that, that feels like a lifetime ago that was during covid that's like in, yeah. the, in the back sticks of a mind but um <laughs> we we feel like we were very, very pragmatic about it um you know some people are just the, the, all they want is kids and you know that's their their life mission is to have have babies and that's fine but we were never really like that we weren't it wasn't a driving passion we really we knew we wanted a child but also we knew that if for whatever reason it couldn't happen um we were also okay with that mm -hmm. so just keeping a you know a bit of a pragmatic view about it and um you know trying and and then um on the 12 month mark we sort of sat down and said all right we feel like we're at a bit of a fork in the road we need to make a decision. Do we go down the fertility treatment point of view and, you know, go see, figure, try to figure out why it hasn't been happening. Um, or, and we've, we've heard, you know, with like IVF and stuff, we've heard that it's not only costly, but it's really emotionally challenging. Um, you know, the, the peaks and troughs of that. We've heard a lot of stories about it from friends and relatives and said, we can go down that path or we could just say, all right, it's not happening um we'll, we'll 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 move on and um just continue life as is and we decided no we we really 
we do we do want to investigate what that would look like. Um, so my wife, Sophie, she, she booked into a fertility consultant. Um, and then on the day of that appointment, the consultant actually um, canceled, called up Sophie and said, oh, I've actually double booked you. And so he's like, well, what the hell? They, yeah. So I've, I've taken a day off work and she's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, well, all right, we might, this person doesn't care. We might find someone else. Anyway, on the way home um, from, because she was on the way to the appointment, on the way home, Sophie thought, well, I'm a little bit late. So she went to the chemist, got a pregnancy test, came home, and she was pregnant. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, so we saved $300 on the fertility consultant. That was yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, that's it. That's good. That's a good way of looking at it. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. And, um, and yeah, it was great. And then nine months later, our beautiful daughter arrived and, um, I, I, um, and you don't know what you don't know, but I'm so happy that we made that choice to have her, which is just so special. Yeah. That's awesome, mate. So you 12 months, you get um, pregnant. Um, now, you know, wife is pregnant. What was that uh, experience like for you as the dad, like going into, you know, leading up to birth? How did you find that? Um, yeah, look, it was a. It, again, you 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 benefit from not knowing what you don't know, but mm-hmm. we feel really um, blessed because the timing of COVID and the lockdowns here in Melbourne were. It was one of the benefits of that. So Sophie had a very relaxed pregnancy because she didn't need to go anywhere. She couldn't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. we were at home relaxing, you know, she was still working right up until the day before the birth um, because she didn't need to walk anywhere. She didn't need to go into work. She didn't need to be on her feet all day. If she felt tired, she could just go and have a rest. And that made it very relaxing. Plus mm-hmm. um, we were very conscious and deliberate with the sources of information about what, is good and not what is good and bad in terms of um, health for the mother, health for the baby, delivering and all of that. Because one thing we realized early is that everyone has an opinion on what is what you should be doing. Um, you know, with Instagram, TikTok, you name all the social media. There's everyone's got a message to deliver about the right way, the, the one right way to do everything, and it mm-hmm. was just so much noise. So we spent a we, we, we were very conscious with the two or three sources of truth that we, that resonated for us and that we trusted. And then the rest we could just disregard or ignore or politely smile and nod and walk on. Um, so that, that very much helped us. We did a few birthing courses, uh, baby first aid courses, and just really it, it put our mind towards having the, the, the best experience keeping in mind the health of the mother and the child and um, yeah, just trying to make it as smooth as possible. So that's, again, the benefit of COVID meant that that's all we had to do, yeah. <laughs> really. We couldn't do anything yeah. else um, except focus on that. And it's funny because already we're noticing the difference with this one. You know, life is so busy. We're already four months away. And as I said, we have it still have, it feels like it hasn't quite I don't know, settled in this idea that we're having another baby because life's happening. We're always out and about. We're always doing things. We're always meeting people, going to work. And so we've, we've just sort of acknowledged that in the last week saying, actually, we need to spend, take more time out and just stop 
and think and prep and put that same amount of energy and effort to having that good experience. Um, so that's, those, that's the comparison between the two so far that we've noticed. Absolutely. So now um, Bub's born, uh, what, how has that journey been for you since then? Um, oh, love it. It's, um, it's yeah. been great. Again, um, I very lucky. Um, we, Amelia was born about two weeks after the final lockdown. So we were finally out and about. So that was good timing. I could go to the hospital. Um, you know, I, I really have a lot of sympathy for people that had children during all these lockdowns when, um, Absolutely. family couldn't be around. It would have been so hard because it's already at the first child is already a terrifying experience because there's yeah. so many unknowns to not be able to have your family come and visit, you know, both our, all of our family lives interstate. Um, so that would have been really hard. So we were very lucky with that. Um, and then we traveled. So, um, Sophie took, Sophie and I both took six months off work. Um, my work we had a very generous parental leave program. And then I took some long service leave. So we had six months, which was, the double benefit of a spending a lot of time to with each other, uh, with our families and with our new baby, but also we hadn't traveled for two years because of COVID. So to get out of our apartment in South Yarra and, and actually hit the road and, and, and go and spend good quality time with each other and with our families, that was really special. And, and I really feel that, 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 that amount of time that I spent with my daughter in those such pivotal, fundamental, you know, foundational years has really um, led to a really strong relationship between her and I. And, um, yeah, that's, that's been fantastic. So that was the first six months. Then we come back and, and we go to work. Um, Amelia, we put her into daycare at seven months um, and don't have never regretted that for a minute. Um, she's mm. just before... Um, she realized what was happening. So that's all she's known. She's thrived, uh, just loves it. Um, and uh, loves the attention, loves the constant source of food, um, loves the dancing and singing. And yeah, we notice it in things that like her vocabulary is fantastic. She's, um, almost, she's saying nearly full sentences now. Uh, and that came really fast and it just, the, the enthusiasm she has for life has been brilliant. And I put that down to daycare at an early age and the connection that we have yeah. so been great that's awesome man so i can hear it in what, what you're sharing but also you, you've mentioned to me about your value for or the, the importance of routine in your father oh, yes journey. yeah can you can you elaborate more on that on what you mean by that yeah this is something that we this you know when when we said when i said that we we isolated our you know top three sources of truth in terms of baby advice um, one of the things that underpins our values as parents is routine um, mm. and separate from, you know, discipline and all of that, but just routine. And um, it's not like strict militaristic kind of it's 702, you know, 1900, let's do this and that. It's just um, having repeated routines and tasks that let Amelia know that everything is in its right place. Yeah. Um, and we've really seen that help from eating to getting dressed to bathing, bathing to teeth brushing to sleeping in particular. It's just that um, 
consistency in routine. It means that um, we've been having good sleep for the last 12 months. <laughs> you know, she, she's so, a great yeah. sleeper. Um, and we put that down to just that, that evening routine. And, um, mm-hmm. and we, we never waver on that. Again, it's not that it's seven o'clock on the dot or six Oh two or anything. It's just, all right, now it's the right time to kick off this sort of series of events. And that all gets her ready for bed and make sure that she knows what's coming up. We still give her a little bit of control within that routine. We give her choices of, you know, what pajamas that she might want to wear, what toothbrush she wants to use, uh, what book she wants to read. Um, but, um, she doesn't have a choice of the action, but she has a choice. She still has that agency and that's really helped us Mm. to force that routine and get her sleeping well, being healthy and, and not waking up in the night. So what's the, how long would a, a bedtime routine usually take you? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question because it depends on where we say it starts because really for us it starts. So we, we pick her up from daycare at about 4.30 um, on a daycare day and, you know, and then we get home and um, we'll have a bit of a play and then at about 5.30 it's dinner time. Mm-hmm. And um, we've just started over the last couple of weeks um, try, really trying to make dinner a family thing because before she was a little bit earlier and it was too early for us. But, you know, we'll have dinner. Then after dinner, she can watch a little bit of screen time, um, just about an hour of Miss Moni, who's <laughs> her current <laughs> yeah, yeah. favourite. Um, Love it. We, we finally moved her off Miss Rachel, but that was that was tough. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, just couldn't stand the voice anymore. <laughs> From there, for, you know, she watches a bit of screen time and that's her her relaxing so she's got her dedicated little sofa fold-out sofa um she has her teddies she's had a big play during the day she's just vegging out now we give her a bottle at about 6 six fifteen. Mm-hmm. um that again that's just milk straight cow's milk now then from there at about six thirty, um we'll go and clean our teeth um everyone in the family has to clean our teeth teeth otherwise she doesn't um do it oh and she's yeah. she, do, she doesn't miss a trick if you don't put toothpaste on your toothbrush she will she will pull you up on it so you got it you got to do it all see then um, yeah yeah she sees everything so then and then from <laughs> there we go into to bed um and we read a book or two and then we say good night and we and we go through the all the family members that we love um nanny and nonna and Papa and Granny and and Auntie and and all of that and um and remember them. So we like to think that she goes to bed thinking about her family and and then she rolls over and has a sleep. So That's overall, I mean, it depends where you start. Um, Post dinner, the bedtime routine is about an hour, I guess, um, give or take. And um, and yeah, that that usually leads to a um, a good night's sleep. And then we wake up at six o'clock to her singing in bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 beautiful. But at six a.m., it's also irritating. But like, it's <laughs> that whole process. Just, just you know, I love your approach to thinking of the family while she goes to bed. I think that's beautiful, mm. mate. Um, and mm. I think that's such a a rich value because something that I've heard um, dads talk about is their value of cross generational input for their kids. Mm-hmm. And I think like, again, what you're doing is you're actually establishing that value in her. So, yeah. you, you know, that hopefully when she's older, she will be able to go to 
or see your extended family is more than just the people that you sometimes see from time to time, but just that richness of what family actually can bring, you know, for, yeah. for a lot of people. So that's beautiful, man. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice little thing for us all to just take a moment and be grateful for the family that we have. Yeah, absolutely. So other than um, routine um, as, as something that you value, what are the, you also mentioned you've got some other things that you've got as a family value. Yeah, and that's um, the things that I really value are um, obviously connection with us and family time and play. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about screen time. We really try to limit that, but we, we try to limit that to one hour maximum. And I know some people have you know, different people have different views on that, but mm-hmm. we try to just limit it rather than abolish it. But um, yeah. the core value is I just love the family dinners. Like, like meal times are really important mm. to to me, and I've got a lot of great memories growing up, sitting around the table, and not just the meal. Like the food could be anything; it could be cheese on toast, it doesn't matter. Yep. But that's where we would have conversations, and we would have debates, and we'd talk about ideas, and um, and it was a really enriching time, um, mm-hmm. and and that that adds a lot of value for me. So we've. That's, I've been really excited for over the last sort of month or two just to, for Amelia to be having dinner with us at the table and she starts loving it. So she doesn't want to eat at her little table anymore. She always runs to the dining room and, and um, jumps up onto her chair and tells daddy where to sit and mummy where to sit and points out where Nono's seat is and Uncle Johnny's seat where he comes to stay. And, um, and she just, she's starting to see, I'm starting to see her value that too. But just that, that time and another thing that, we've just started bringing or I'm trying to bring in as a habit. I don't always remember it is um, my, a friend of mine. Um, and we used to always think it was crazy when we were 15 and 16, his family would went before they'd eat, they would have this chat and it was just, thank you for our food and our lovely day. And it's not a mm. prayer. It's not, um, it's, it's completely secular. It's just a moment of gratitude and, mm. You know, young boys, this teenage you know, teenage mates doing this weird thing that you you don't do. You always laugh at him, but it took you know, fifteen years later for me to look back on that and say and realize the value that it adds. Just to take a moment, be present, and say, "We have food on our table. We have family. We've had a lovely day." Uh, and just that moment of appreciation, um, it really adds value. So that's something that we're trying to consciously do. Just to you know, when in life we're always so focused on what we don't have and we're looking forward and we're always trying to build that next thing, buy that bigger house or get to that next stage or get the job to make life better. But we don't really think about what we have right now. And um, just that dinner table time where the rest of the world can just pause. doesn't matter what's going out here in our little space of safety and security and family. We're happy for what we have. We're happy for the food on our table, the day, the, the, the guests at our table and the day that we've had. And that's a nice, that that's becoming a really strong family value. Yeah, I love that. So I, um, we do prayers at our dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think this is so, again, like I love what you said, this is a very secular thing. I think whatever you do, whether you, you know, you have a faith or a religion or, or whatever, whatever, whatever you do at that time, I think is really cool to recognize what you have, you know, yes. um, whether you're thankful to God or you're just thankful in general for mm. what you have right now, I think is, is so valuable because it also models to our kids 
you know, to be thankful right now. Like we have our whole family right here, you know, or we have, you know, we have this special time with whoever's there right now. We do have food on our table. We do have a roof over our heads like that. That is amazing. And I think it's especially in those days when we get really tired and we get to the table and we're exhausted, we don't sit in that gratitude of what we have. And, Mm. you know, it it, kind of sets the tone for the rest of the meal, I think. Uh, And that's, I was actually really looking forward to hearing what you do for your routine for dinner time, because that's an area where I struggle. Yeah. You know, having four kids at the dinner table um, and and when you're exhausted is something that I really find hard to um, be present in rather than just pissed off all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's my wrestle. Like that's, I I really trying to work on that, but I love what you were just saying there. It's like just reinforcing the importance of those habits of those cultural things that we put in place to, be really thankful for what we have um, because I, honestly like one of the first things we'll go when i'm tired is that prayer you know yeah so again it sets the yeah, tone let's just get on with it kind of I'm thing. Not, yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. i'm not grateful i'm not you know appreciating what's right in front of me i'm just like oh, i can't be bothered but so that, mm-hmm. that's great i love that yeah and i know i am talking from a place of privilege of only having one one toddler to to deal with and having four as a complete four children is complete next uh next level challenge and there are very real very pragmatic challenges that you can't just deal with from a mindset point of view but um yeah it's just we're trying to build up that habit so when there are two because we know it's going to get harder and there's two and it's not just twice as hard um so yeah i would say like even with if you've got no kids the intentionality is hard do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it's still, yeah. it, it, that's the hard part. So it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, 50 kids or, or no kids. The point is, is the effort that you're putting into it. So when you're tired, when you, you know, don't have that energy with that person that's at your table, how are you going to enjoy that moment? You know? Mm. So, and I think, you know, they, so I still learn a lot from what you just said then. Yeah. You've only got one kid, but it's your intentionality. It is your routine. It's the things that you hold as a value that actually now lifts me up and be like, I want to do that. No, I want to do that. Like, you know, it doesn't matter about the four kids. That's not the, that's not the issue. It's like, no, I want this to be the thing. I want to appreciate the stage. I mean, I want to appreciate this day. I want to appreciate my family and the things that we have here. So, Yeah. yeah. And the other thing at the end of the meal is not just jumping up and clearing the table and then moving on with life. It's, um, Mm sitting there and having a chat and obviously that's a two-year-old isn't interested in that she just wants to go on to the next stage and go and play yep. some more or throw a plate on exactly. the ground but we will get there but it's just yep. that that's that's a big part of it for me it's just learning about each other and spending time to hear about each other's day and what's on their mind and and yep. um, talking about the thing talking about worldly things and not just goss not gossiping or talking about people but really thinking about the world and, and and learning about each other. Yeah. So that's a good, um, I sort of this thought of like, all right, cool. So she's, you know, you, you're instilling these cultures, you're instilling these values into your family and you've got a two year old that you're, cause again, in a way, you know, you're going through a different stage of life to me. So for me, I can tell my kids, this is what we're doing. You know, they're at that <laughs> age now and I'm like, cool. All right. That's the rules. Two year old. You can't necessarily do that. You know, <laughs> so for me, um, well, why I want to ask this question, I've also got a seven month old and not a two year old yet. You strap him in a chair, he's not going anywhere. Mm. But when I get to that two year old stage, 
what do you put in place or how are you trying to teach these values and routines? You know, do you just say, sit, you're going to stay there, you're not going to move, or are you a little bit more loose? Like how do you teach those values and routines? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't don't know the answer to that one. Um, Again, it goes to that underlying values. We we try to... We, we try to coach her through it instead of she's like, like all toddlers. She resents when she doesn't have a choice in something. So the harder you try, the harder you force, the more force comes back at you. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've learned that very, she's very stubborn. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's just the trait of the toddler. So we just, yeah, (laughs) and it's beautiful. And I love that. And I I always say that I want to raise a fiercely independent young woman, Mm. but I also wanted to do what I say. (laughs) And I know that those two ideas are diametrically opposed. I do not get both. And, um, and I'm going to love that in the moment I'm going to, I know there's a, there's 20 years of frustration coming up, but, um, that's again. I look ahead and say, no. I'm I'm raising a daughter that is going to know what she wants and and mm-hmm. and fight for that, and that's great. So in those moments, that's what I sort of look back. And say, all right, she's resisting me now. That that's my approach is failing. What can I do differently? How can I re- restore agency here? She still there's no choice. She still has to eat. She still has to mm-hmm. eat with us. She still has to clean her teeth. She still has to go to bed. Whatever it might be, that's not the option. But mm. there are so many ways that she can do that activity, not just the one that's easiest for me. And I just try to work with her energy and um, and 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 figure out how I can give her a choice. So is it you know, you, you've got to sit in your chair, but do you want it clipped up or do you not want it clipped up? Do you want this coloured mm. fork or not? Like I just keep going through choices until one sort of lands. But mm. I'm talking as if this is an idealised approach and every night's perfect. There's absolutely no. Then no, that, that is not the case. Yeah, uh, we yeah. don't always win these battles, um, yeah. but I guess it's just saying that I try not to make it a battle. I try to just figure it out, but also not let her learn that crying and tantrums get her way. So it's that constant battle, and it's I, I don't really have any sage words of this. This is the golden bullet. It's just observing the situation and stopping and thinking about what's happening and, and what is the overall goal and um, just just try a few different ways in the moment and knowing that she's not doing it intentionally to upset me. She's just doesn't know how to articulate what she wants or she she's just trying to feel like she has some sort of control. Yeah. No, that's great. That's awesome, mate. So to, to wrap up here, I want to finish with this question. Um, so if you were to go back in time and you met yourself, you're at the hospital just before firstborn is born, what piece of advice would you give yourself? <laughs> yeah, it, look, there's so much. And I, I'm, I'm really happy with the way that we have raised Amelia so far. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's thriving, she's healthy, she's happy. Um, and there's nothing I'd change from that. Um, the... The, well, the, the the immediate one that comes to mind is uh, um, children don't care about the fancy wooden toys that look nice. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't care less. Yeah. Um, they love the pink plastic stuff, and uh, exactly. So, I think that's the 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 um, 
the, the, the symbol of the modern parent is that beautiful timber and white um, wooden bike and everything's, um, you know, that, that natural sort of feel and the Montessori kind of timber things and all that. Kids just don't care. They, they yeah, can yeah, care less yeah. about what looks yeah. good and what doesn't. Same with clothes and same with everything. Um, give them the bright colored stuff that works every time. Um, yeah. So don't spend more money on things just because they look nice. They, they don't, they only look good for Instagram and you quickly realize that doesn't matter. The, um, the other thing is they need less stuff so much. They don't think you, you need to buy about 10% of the stuff that you think and uh, you go to the baby expos and stuff. And there's so many ways that things you can buy that make that add 1% convenience to your life that cost hundreds of dollars. And you think that it's what you need in the moment, but you don't. The mm, big challenges. Yeah. So I could tell myself that, but I couldn't tell myself how to figure out what that is. That you can only do that by living it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you just don't need the stuff. And the other thing is toy libraries. Go find your nearest toy library and oh, do that. Um, yeah. Um, especially when they're under three, because toys are fleeting. Right? They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll be amazing and, every, and it's all they'll want for a week and then they're, they're never again until they actually yeah. start appreciating it. Just, just go to the toy library, do yourself a favor, and um, don't borrow things with a million pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you've got to count them three years later. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, well, Alex. Nice, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, mate, and sharing. Um, again, like I think we're always learning. So I love that because I, you, I feel like you're preparing me for my youngest as he's getting older, um, and I really love that. I love the things that you're talking about with routine and prioritizing um, that as a family value. I love the conversation around the table, um, mm-hmm. something that I want to really put into practice and, and keep working on because that's the area for me that I'm lacking at the moment because it's just so exhausting. But um, Appreciate that, mate. Uh, really value your storytelling and your journey with us. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me, Blair, and um, looking forward to the next one. I'll ask you some more questions next time. I feel like it was very much the Alex show, but that's... <laughs> that's <laughs> good, man. That's great. You had a lot of good stuff. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, mate. Cool. Thanks, Blair. Talk to you soon. And we also want to thank our listener for tuning in today. If you haven't already, go check out our website at www.dadgroup.org. In this space, we've got some awesome resources for support for families, new and expecting families. Uh, There's a lot of mental health support there by some amazing organizations. On this website as well, you can also support Dad's Group through purchasing our merchandise or a solid donation would be amazing and help us impact the lives and and, uh, of, of new and expecting families all around Australia. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, guys.